Archdiocese of Sioux Falls Office of Adult Faith Formation, this is the Prairie Rome Companion with Dr. Chris Bergwald. Hello and welcome to Prairie Rome Companion. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Bergwald, and in this 10th episode of Prairie Rome Companion, we are going to hear the first part of an interview that I did with Dr. Patrick Lee on the question of bioethics. Uh, this is a, a topic and area of study that is uh, especially important in our day and age, and we'll hear uh, from Dr. Lee uh, what is bioethics and, and a little bit more about that in this first interview with Dr. Patrick Lee. And I'm happy to welcome Dr. Patrick Lee to this episode of Prayer Room Companion. Dr. Lee, thanks for taking time out of your day to be with us. Oh, glad to be here. Uh, Dr. Lee is the is a professor of philosophy at the Fran- at Franciscan University of Steubenville in Ohio and is the director of the newly formed Bioethics Institute there. Uh, he actually was my professor for a few philosophy courses I had as an undergrad at Steubenville, and I was happy to get to know him then uh, as a student and then when I taught at Steubenville as well, and then uh, now and then we're able to maintain some contact uh, since then, and it's it's great to have you on the show, uh, Dr. Lee. Thanks for again oh. for taking time. Oh, thanks for having me. Glad to, glad to speak with you. Yeah. Great, great. Now, what I, uh, before we get into the topic of, of bioethics, what we'll be speaking about mostly today, uh, I I was wondering if you could just introduce yourself. I, I told what to, mentioned what you do, uh, but obviously there's a lot more to you than that. So you just want to talk a little bit about yourself and and maybe your family if you'd like to, and then your work as a philosopher in general, apart from now bioethics, how you got there? Yeah, well, I, uh, I, I came here at Franciscan University of Steubenville about 15 years ago, came up from uh, Houston, grew up in, in Texas, and, uh, uh, but has tra- so I've traveled around, my, and uh, I have a family, I have, uh, I have a lovely wife and nine children and 12 wow. grandchildren, and um, so I have a commitment to life. <laughs> There, uh, and I've taught uh, taught philosophy for oh, I guess about thirty years, and um, uh, ha- have enjoyed very much the, the move to Franciscan University of Steubenville. Uh, my my specialty in philosophy for the last uh, thirty years has been uh, uh, you know meta- several things I guess uh, uh, a lot in log- uh, philosophy of logic, metaphysics, St. Thomas Aquinas. And also ethics, and I wrote a book about uh, ten years ago, or a little over ten years ago, on abortion, called "Abortion and Unborn Human Life." And then, when I so since I, when I after I wrote that book, I began to be invited to uh, various places to talk about abortion, and then about euthanasia, and and so forth. So I began after that. I I uh, gradually uh, began to do more writing and more speaking on bioethical issues. And in the last, I'd say, five six years, the topic of embryonic uh, stem cell research or embryo destructive stem cell research has been a big issue that uh, I've been um, uh, speaking uh, speaking on in a lot of different places and debates and both in writing and in person and. So uh, uh, I've gradually moved into the bioethics realm, almost sort of uh, inadvertently, and then in the last uh, about uh, about a, a couple of years ago, the the university here began to speak about uh, founding a an institute in bioethics at the in a way uh, answering the the call of uh, 
Pope John Paul II and Evangelium Vitae for Catholic universities to do something special about uh, building the culture of life uh, as opposed to a culture of death that, 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 uh, that is, or that is uh, very much predominant in our culture. And so we've, we've started that here at, at Franciscan University. We, we, are, uh, we have speakers. I, I do a lot of traveling and speak, and we have speakers in. And we're having conferences. And we hope to, in the next uh, year or so, have a concentration in bioethics for, with the MA philosophy and a cert- certification in bioethics for healthcare professionals who already have a degree. And my writing has been, uh, again, the last five years, a lot of it uh, I've done, still, I've still done quite a bit on philosophy of religion and logic and that kind of thing, but a lot of it has been on the issue of, uh, on, these in, uh, on these beginning of life issues, uh, abortion, uh, uh, embryo destructive stem cell research, and at the end of life issues as well, of course, uh, you know, whether artificial nutrition and hydration is ordinary care or extraordinary care, whether you know, uh, the issue of whole uh, physician-assisted suicide and that sort of thing, and then also uh, uh, sex ethics. The the uh, uh, it's last 60, 70 years, the, the the church, of course, has been uh, in a way taking it on the chin from the culture about the uh, about uh, her positions on uh, on on sexual ethics, on marital ethics. So the whole issue about what marriage is, uh, um, what sexual acts are morally right, and what, what sexual acts are not morally right, that is, is also been a subject of, uh, of uh, debate and discussion in, in a lot of my writings and a lot of my speaking engagements, too. Okay. So uh, that's, that's sort of where I've, where I've where th- come. <clears throat> and, and, you, and you, I mean, you referred to, uh, you studied the, the thought and writing of St. Thomas Aquinas. Any contemporary uh, theologians or philosophers Whose footsteps you sort of followed in, or, or who you? Yeah, the the, the my the biggest influence on me is uh, in, in the contemporary um, uh, era has been uh, Germain Grise. Germain mm-hmm. Grise is a uh, moral theologian. He's, he was he was a philosopher for you know, several decades, and then moved into moral theology. And he's writing a multi-volume moral theology book. And uh, he, in a way, revolutionized Thomistic ethics in the 60s and 70s, and and then in the 80s, 90s, and now into the new millennium. He's he's been doing quite a bit of work on on moral theology, and uh, with this uh, multi-volume uh, moral theology work. And so he he his approach, I think, is is uh, uh, in in many ways it, it's 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 grounded in St. Thomas, but it develops St. Thomas in, in various ways and applies, applies the Thomistic principles to issues and brings them up to date in light of other things. And in some way, in some, some issues probably disagree, and some issues does disagree with Aquinas, but, but it's, it's, uh, the, the, the basic principles come from St. Thomas. Okay. And, and then uh, Grise, uh, uh, Germain Grise, of course, William May, uh, John Finnis, uh, Joseph Boyle, these are these are uh, some contemporaries who've had a great, great influence on me, and Robert George at uh, Princeton uh, has had a great influence on me too. He and I have teamed up and, and wrote a lot of things together. Right, and I was going to say the the two of you in particular have collaborated at, uh, on, on quite a number of things, I, mm-hmm. I believe. Uh, and and you have you have a book that's forthcoming with him? Is yeah, right? he, uh, Robert George and I have a book coming out uh, either August or, or or October. It kind of depends on the scheduling matters, but. Uh, uh, called uh, um, 
body self dualism and contemporary ethics and politics and uh the idea there is uh, is that a lot of the bad the uh bad ethical positions that are pushed today are are based on a implicit assumption that the self is uh, is a or that that I am just a I'm I'm just a self that's outside the body that I have the body I'm not a bodily being but I have the body so the idea that the self that the body is going kind to of outside the self and and so a mere extrinsic tool mm-hmm. that's at the root of a lot of the a lot of the problematical positions like for example on abortion some people think well yes it's a human organism but it's not a human person and that's because they're thinking of the human person the self as one thing and the body is something else, is something that you have, uh, rather than something that that you are. Mm-hmm. And the same thing at the end of life, uh, people will say, "Well, that's that's you know, yes, uh, that's the same organism, that's the same human entity here that we brought in two weeks ago in the hospital, but that's not grandfather anymore. He's grandfather's gone. That's because they're identifying grandfather with something other than this bodily being, this living bodily being." So anyway, that's the idea behind our book: is that uh, a lot of the bad ethical positions are based on body self dualisms, and of course, to get the the truth of these matters on 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 the, the beginning of life, the end of life, the truth of the the beauty of the sexual act and how it builds up uh, marriage, you have to see that that uh, the first step, not the only step, but the first step, is to see that we really are bodily beings. I am a. a I'm not just. I don't just have this organism. I am an organism. Now I'm a particular type of organism. I'm a rational and free uh, animal organism. But uh, being an organism is not something I have. It's it's part of what I am. And so that's the idea behind the book. And that's that's what we've been working on. And so and 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 hitting these these controversial issues like abortion, euthanasia, sex ethics. Uh, drug taking and 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 the like. Mm-hmm. It, it, I find it interesting that just with that dualism, that in in a day and age where uh, it seems that you know to be human, quote unquote, is 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 held up in in one way that really it's it's the church and the intellectual tradition deriving from Christianity that in fact is defending the body and and refusing yeah. to depersonalize and and make the body subhuman, as you said uh, in your remarks. Yeah, exactly. That that's the that's the irony of it. Where very often uh, in the public arena, uh, uh, people want to say, "Oh, well, these these positions like on on abortion or euthanasia, that's all. That's just based on faith." And you guys, you know, you, you can't impose your faith on the rest of us. Whereas in in what what they're doing is they are implicitly, of course, it's not very not, not usually explicitly, but implicitly thinking of the self as a uh, as something outside the body, mm-hmm. thinking of the body as a mere extrinsic tool, and they're imposing that view on, on, on the community, and that's of course a particularly, I think, a particularly erroneous view. And, and you don't, don't you don't have to be religious in order to know that that view is mistaken. Right. Right. Um, okay. Okay. Good. Now, turning then to to bioethics more particularly, I'm wondering. First of all, could you distinguish? You know, most of our listeners uh, are tuning in because this is sort of you know, adult catechesis, adult faith formation, coming from uh, maybe a more of a th- theological as a, as opposed to a more strictly philosophical perspective. What what's the difference between moral theology and ethics, broadly speaking, to begin with? Well. Yeah, moral theology. Of course, the, the, the term theology there is the, is the key. Mm-hmm. Theology is different from uh, just uh, philosophy. Uh, in that, in, in theology, you take as your starting point some 
proposition that you've got from the Bible or from the teaching of the church. So you're presupposing in your arguments, you're presupposing uh, the the authority of the of the of the church or the authority of the Bible, and uh, and that's that's a that's a great thing to do. But that's 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 theology. Philosophy is uh, 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 setting forth arguments and trying to figure things out, but without pre- not denying the faith, not denying the Bible or church teaching, but on, on the other hand, also not making use of the in any propositions that are derived from the faith or you know, derived from church teaching or the Bible. So it's a straight out, the, the philosophical arguments are arguments that anyone could see or, or should, be, should, should be able to see even if they don't, even if they don't accept uh, church teaching or don't accept the Bible. And this may be, this may be you know, as a, it's, it's helpful sometimes on their way toward you. Obviously, we don't want to just leave them out there with no faith right. and just, address, you know, just ignore the faith. But sometimes it's helpful on the way, you know, to, to pave the way toward the faith, to, to for them to see some of these truths that 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 one can see even by his natural reason, even before he gets to faith. If you see, for example, that well, uh, anyone should be able to see that abortion is wrong, that contraception is wrong, that extramarital or non-marital acts, uh, sexual acts, are wrong, that uh, 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 physician-assisted suicide is wrong. If you can see that well, this is really true. This is this is something that that anyone should be able to grasp by his reason. That can be a first step, a sign of credibility for the faith. And you can say, well, this is what okay, this is what reason is telling us. But also, who's the only you know the only major institution standing up and, and defending these truths loudly and clearly is the Catholic Church. Mm-hmm. So it's 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 a sign of credibility for the Catholic Church. But these are, but a lot of these de- points that are debated in the public arena, like embryonic stem cell research, abortion, euthanasia, um, uh, same-sex marriage, a-, a lot of these are are things that uh, that 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 anyone, whether they have faith or not, should be able to see uh, are wrong. Uh, should be able to to get at the basic, uh, at least at least the basic principles of. For example, what marriage is, at least in its, in its basis. Of course, we also believe it's a sacrament. But before that, before it's a sacrament, even even on, uh, at one, on one level, it's 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 a it's a special type of community oriented toward bearing and raising children or providing an atmosphere for bearing and raising children. If you can see these positive points and also see that the, you know, these are things that we can see uh, by reason, that's a. Uh, 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 that's a big step toward at least paving the way for faith. Okay, right, that makes sense. But that's distinct. But they are distinct. The the sort of ethics without qualification. You would say that that that, that you're 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 starting from from propositions or truths that uh, anyone should be able to see, even if they're not Catholic, even if they're not Christian, even if they're not even if they're not uh, a theist, for that matter. Okay, but. Uh, but uh, moral theology, of course, you're you're starting from the truths of, of the faith. Okay, so, so uh, ethics, uh, including bioethics, of course, then is sort of reason alone, just applying ra- ra- using the ability to think uh, rationally, to apply the intellect to experience and problems, and so on. Yeah. Okay. Well, of course, in bio, of course, bioethics could be. You could have theological bioethics, <clears throat> and you could have philosophical bioethics too. Okay. That's... Bioethics is, in a way, the 
the term bioethics came i don't know it became more more popular in the maybe maybe five five ten in the last five or ten years. It used to be called medical ethics, so it's sort of that branch of ethics that has to do with decisions made by healthcare professionals especially okay. And, or in the, in the context of healthcare, first, not, not maybe by maybe patients within the in the context of, of you know going to hospital or something like that, and so that's where the so the the medical ethics used to be the old, it was the old term, and then it's uh, it's probably that's uh, and then it sort of evolved into uh, bioethics you know, is the is the new term. Yeah. Okay, so bioethics then you sort of just gave a definition for it and and explained its its origins in a sense. It's although the term is new, obviously medical ethics has been around for a, a, its its predecessor in terminology at least has been around for centuries presumably. Yeah, right. Okay. okay. Yeah, you go back to Hippoc- Hippocrates talks about the, the the duties of a of a physician and um and uh, of course, uh, you have uh, treatises in, in, in the great theologians, the great moral theologians, uh, you know, treated treated special questions having to do with medical decisions in in their treatises, going back to Saint Alphonsus Liguori in the mm-hmm. uh, in the 16th, 17th century. Yeah. Okay, so within what's now called bioethics, uh, looking at more particularly. Any subdisciplines, and then how does it relate to philosophy in general, or is there any relation there? Uh, sort of, you know, looking up and down from bioethics. What's its relationship to other areas of study? Well, I think I think bioethics is a subdivision of ethics. Okay, it's, it's sort of that area of ethics that has to do with uh, with med- with decisions having to do with medical treatment, and uh, um, so that that's uh, of course it it. it you know, that's that's how it how it, it it's at least the the center the core of it, and then you could include some other things that you know having to do you know, bio the, the word you know the word bio of course means life the, from the Greek word for life bios but uh, so it may be not just the decisions you make in the context of uh, of uh, you know in a hospital or or a physician's office but having to do with life so it includes I think. Uh, Probably all of sexual ethics, as well as uh, the, the, the questions that have to do with just the medical decisions. Okay, okay. And then now, looking at from a from a Christian, particularly a Catholic perspective, is there? A, can, you referred earlier. There's theological bioethics and philosophical bio, bioethics. Yeah. With each, obviously, with the theological bioethics, there's going to be a Christian and a Catholic um, theological bioethics. Right. Can you can you speak? Uh, is is it possible to refer to, or is there such a thing as a Christian or Catholic philosophical bioethics? Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Okay. So what would and and. How in a, like, my question would be how how would we distinguish from one form of philosophical bioethics from a Christian or Catholic form of bioethics? Or a Christian or Catholic bioethics? Yeah. Well, I think um, I think the uh, the yeah that's a tricky one. The 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 um, the discipline I think is kind of wide open. I mean, I mean, it, it, it really I think bioethics is is just that area where you're talking about the kind of decisions that that bear on life and that and that bear on medical decisions. Now, then you can bring to bear, you know, theological. You can bring to bear uh, teach to the church. You can bring to bear biblical uh, teachings and so forth. And, and then, uh, if you're doing that, of course, then you're doing Christian bioethics. But even if you are a Christian, and you are your arguments are not 
depending upon or not making use of any premises from church teaching or uh, biblical teaching, you could say, you, well, you're do, you could still be doing Christian ethics or Christian bioethics or Catholic bioethics in the sense that you know, the, you're doing it in the, in the context of, of faith and, and the kinds of questions you ask, the kinds of people you read, the kinds of issues that you're going to look at, uh, sort of the background of sort of the whole worldview that you operate out of there is going to be different from someone who has no faith. Uh, so um, uh, it's kind of like the, I mean, the, the uh, uh, so a, an argument may be a straight-out philosophical argument, and yet the way, you know, that's one thing, and that's, that's a clear-cut, okay, does this argument, is this argument a philosophical argument or a theological argument? That's a clear-cut answer. Is this person doing Christian ethics or, or is he not doing Christian ethics? That's not so clear-cut, um, uh, because it, it, it's, it, that has to do not with whether the propositions are derived from, from the teachings of the church or not, but it, it has to do with his whole manner of approaching the subject, the kinds of questions he asks, the kinds of, you know, the kinds of books he goes to for inspiration and so forth. Okay, I, I suppose it's both question and answer are, are probably related to the question: Is there a Christian philosophy, uh, which has yeah. been debated? Whole, actually, yeah, that old that, the old question that, that they debated in the was: Is there a Christian philosophy? And I think the you know the answer is in a way. Uh, uh, that, that you have to distinguish between a Christian, philo- a Christian philosophizing versus a a, 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 phil- a Christian philosophical argument. Right. And uh, a, a philosophical argument is is not going to be one in which the premises are drawn from Revelation. So it's a straight out. Okay, no, it's not. It's not a theological argument. It's a philosophical argument. Now, whether someone is doing Christian philosophy or not, then that has, that's more complicated or, or more difficult to determine. It right. depends on his whole his whole way of life, right? Uh, because you're, so uh, because now you're talking about the act, you're not talking about the the product of the act, the the argument, right? So, um, uh, and the way the way uh, I operate and and the way a lot of uh, Catholic bioethicists operate. Actually, most of the arguments that we present are, are philosophical arguments. Mm-hmm. Uh, the reason, I mean, the, there, there's a reason why it is, but 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 first of all, it's just it just happens to be that way that that when you the kinds of questions we're asking, for example, when does human life begin? Uh, when uh, uh, what, is it the case that intentional killing of human persons is ever right? Uh, what's the nature of marriage? What, what, you know, what what kind of acts are you know what kinds of sexual acts are 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 are, are morally right? Those kinds of questions are questions that you can you can look to what is called natural law. In other words, you can look to just rational principles to determine. And the church the church has a teaching on several of those issues on most of those issues, but the church herself. Gets, uh, is interpreting natural law when she proposes these teachings, for example, that it's always wrong to intentionally kill an innocent human person. That's implicit in Scripture, of course, and the Church makes that explicit, but it's also the Church also puts forward some natural law uh, arguments for that. The same, for example, on contraception. Well, the Church teaches contraception is wrong. 
well, there's 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 a whole, you know, that that's that's implicit, at least implicit, maybe perhaps explicit in in the in the biblical teaching, but also the church is interpreting natural law. So when she says, for example, in when when the Pope teaches very clearly in Humanae Vitae, and then in, in several times after that, that that contraception is right is is wrong. He also adds, this is something that belongs to natural law. So he's addressing all all human beings of goodwill, not just Catholics. So, so the the kinds of issues that we're that we debate are, happen to be the kinds of issues that we can put forward our arguments in the public arena, and you don't have to be a Catholic to to accept these arguments. Now, and the reason why that is is because it, these are issues that have to do with human life, beginning of human life, end of human life, issues that have to do with the nature of marriage, and these are all uh, life and marriage. Are are not supernatural entities. I mean, they they become su- they they become supernaturalized when you accept God's grace, but they are in themselves natural entities. And so the 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 the, the nature of them and the, whether we should respect them are are things that we can get at through reason, even before we go to faith. Okay, does that make sense? Yeah, it does. It does. It does. Yeah. It, so well, there's y- a reason why. I mean, I, know I had a friend of mine uh, uh, who's uh, Eastern Orthodox. Uh, Ask me, well, why you Catholics are always using natural law? Why don't you just, just, you know, just, just forget about natural law and just go right to the Bible, go right to this and that and the other? And the answer is, I think that, well, the, we're talking about human goods. We're talking about human life. We're talking about human, you know, we're talking about marriage, which is at least in part a human, a human reality. It's also a sacrament now, but there's, the, but it's a human reality. Because that is so, then it's open to reason. And so it's open to, to I mean, you, you can inspect it by reason and figure it out. You can figure these things out even before you get to Revelation. Now then, Revelation will confirm uh, these, these, these truths. But, but, uh, but we can go out and, 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 and make the argument uh, against embryo-destructive research in the public arena without appealing to, to uh, Revelation. So, you know, senators and congressmen or other congressmen don't have to... Uh, they don't have to be a Catholic in order to accept our arguments. Right. And, and sort of the flip side of that as well, if for, there, I can't think of any particular example, but it could be that there's an ethical issue where the Church has spoken to it in her capacity as, as the, the teaching voice of, uh, for, for Christ today, where you as a bioethicist, uh, as a philosopher in general, can know that it's true and then seek out exactly how to uh, explain that yeah, no, by reason alone to others who who aren't Catholic, as you said. Yeah. Well, yeah, and of course, also there, there's always always the possibility. I mean, that that the, 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 the Pope teaches something, and and uh, when the Pope teaches something, well, that has authority, and it, you know, I I it would be possible. You know, I don't I don't I don't think I've run into this, but. I might read something the Pope teaches and say, "Well, look, that doesn't seem right to me. My my natural, you know, my my reason, my philosophical ability might, you know, would would lead me to think otherwise." But if the Pope teaches it, or the Pope and the and the bishops in communion with the Pope teach this, you know, that makes it even, you know, stronger. It, then, uh, uh, then it, it's it's reasonable for me to, in that point, at that stage, to say, "Well, look, my I must be missing something." Yeah, I mean, the, the, this is this is the successor of Saint Peter, so I'm not going to follow. You know, why should I follow my mere philosophical, you know, my my puny philosophical ability, as and prefer that to the teaching of the successor of Saint Peter or the teaching of the successor of the Saint uh, to Saint Peter and the other apostles? Right. 
So, so there, uh, if the Pope teaches something that that doesn't seem right to my philosophical uh, uh, light, then what you know, the, the most you know, what I'm going to say is, look, you know, my philosophical light's not that not that bright sometimes. You know, right, right, <laughs> so I yeah. follow the teaching of the Pope, even you know, I, even if it would conflict. I, I haven't really gotten that situation, but even if it conflicted with, with what my philosophical reasoning would lead to me. Lead me, lead me to believe it would be more reasonable for me to prefer to to put more stock in what the Pope says than what my my uh, philosophical uh, uh, abilities would would, would 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 tell me. And then, because our faith is not an irrational one, you can have confidence that further reflection, hopefully, you'll be able to find with the the missing link or or, or, or right. how it is. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I keep thinking about it and keep and keep working on it, and uh, and uh, so. Uh, 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 that, 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 that it means I've, I've missed something. Right, okay. That's the first part, as I said, of our interview with Dr. Patrick Lee. And episode 11, we will hear the second concluding part of this episode. If you have any questions, as always, please feel free to contact me at cbergwald, that's C-B-U-R-G-W-A-L-D, at sfcatholic.org. And again, you can find Prayer Room Companion online at the, the webpage for the Diocese of Sioux Falls, and that is www.sfcatholic.org. Until next time, thank you for listening, and God bless you.